Hey, good morning. Welcome, everybody who's tuning in online and everybody who's here in the room. Hello, good morning. Welcome. This you can you can say yeah 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 yeah. We're all in this together, folks. That's wonderful. Uh, today we're going to look at what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're looking in Matthew chapter six. Starting in verse 9, uh, so if you want to, if you've got a Bible that you want to open in order to follow along, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, and we're really, uh, we're emphasizing prayer. Uh, at the beginning of the year, this is a, a good time to have a, a foundation on uh, communicating with God. Um, so we uh, have a couple of things going on along those lines. Our, our teaching on Sundays is about prayer. Starting next week, we're, we're starting a, uh, a 21 days of prayer and fasting campaign. And um, I have in my hand the draft for the guide for 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is something that we wrote and, and produced in-house uh, and I'm really excited about it. It goes along with the team that we're sending to Kenya. Uh, we have the, uh, the, the team's pictures and some prayer points in here. We have the Kenya uh, leaders that we're going to be meeting with, the leaders in the uh, Samburu and Rindile tribes who are reaching those people so that they can reach the next unreached people group. Their pictures and their prayer points are, are, are in this guide. The itinerary for the team that's going that leaves on January 24th, uh, every day what they're doing uh, is in this guide so that as they are there, you can pray for them. And we have pictures from the last two trips that we've taken so that you can imagine where this team is and, and what they're going through. I'm, I'm really excited about this. I hope that uh, you'll get excited about it too, that you'll plan to, uh, to grab one of these. They're going to be uh, produced this week so that next Sunday, when 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting begins, you can grab a copy of it. For those of you who participate in the live stream, we'll also have an electronic version available so that you don't even have to have the, uh, the, the, the physical copy. I do, I prefer the physical, though uh, we, uh, every page we included a, a journal section where you can write down what God is bringing to your mind. So. This is one of the ways we're emphasizing prayer and helping you start your year uh, in, in prayer in 2024. Another thing to be looking forward to is uh, small groups starting January 28th. Small groups start January 28th, that week. So if that's something that you're uh, interested in, uh, put a note in the chat or talk to Rachel over here against the, against the wall to participate in a, a small group. We've got small groups that meet in homes different nights of the week. We've got a small group that meets virtually online. We've got a small group that meets in this space on Sundays immediately 
following the service, and that is a, uh, a great opportunity to take what you're learning to the next level and also to be around people who are uh, praying for you. We're learning together. We're also praying together and supporting each other. A resource that I'm leaning on uh, that um, in our, our New Day Minute, our weekly email newsletter, and if you're not receiving that in your uh, email inbox, you can find it on our Facebook page. And uh, once you open it, you can, uh, you, you can click. Uh, there, there's a link somewhere on there to subscribe, to have that come to your, uh, your, your email inbox. Um, a Praying Life by Paul E. Miller has been a, a great resource for me to learn more about God's teaching on prayer and how to apply it. So a lot of ways that we can uh, drill deeper into prayer and start 2024 off on the right foot. So let's start this teaching off on the right foot by praying together. God, we, we acknowledge you as our Heavenly Father. We know that your name is holy. We don't come to you lightly. We come to you in the name of Jesus, your Son, who's forgiven our sins for the past so that we can come to you and, and honor you and, and bring requests. And our request this morning is that we would have ears to hear your word, that we would have minds to understand, and that we would have feet and hands to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to just jump right in and look at how Jesus taught his closest followers, his disciples, how to pray. Uh, now, if you go into Matthew chapter 6 and you read what leads up to his teaching about how to pray, you'll see that he starts by teaching how not to pray. He says, don't pray like the people who put on a show, who stand on the street corners and make a loud production of their prayers in order to get attention. That attention, he says, that's all they're going to receive from their prayers. And he says, also, don't pray like the pagans who use prayer like, a, like an incantation or magic words that they memorize and repeat over and over again as if that memorization and that repetition is going to have some magical effect. And, and ironically, if you have learned and memorized the Lord's Prayer, you may have been taught to memorize it, say it word for word, over and over again. Uh, and, and right before he says, pray like this, he says, don't do that. Um, I, I, I know there's a way that people um, justify that. It's a good prayer. Uh, we're going to look at it, though, as more of an, an outline of how to interact with God. Here's what the prayer Jesus taught to his disciples looks like in Scripture, in modern wording. Now, this may be different from what you're used to, what you've heard, what you've 
memorized. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9 in the New Living Translation. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. In this short prayer, we see uh, a really ingenious outline. Two sets of three. Three levels of surrendering completely and three levels of asking boldly. What do I mean by that? Three levels of surrendering completely begins by saying, our Father in heaven. We're in a relationship with God. He's not some impersonal, distant force. He is our Father in heaven. He loves us and provides for us as we humble ourselves in dependence on him. That's an act of surrender, acknowledging you're our Father in heaven. We need you. Our Father in heaven is the first level. May your name be kept holy. So while we're in a relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, we shouldn't get the idea that He is our peer or He is our buddy. He's holy. We need to not take Him for granted or enter into his presence lightly. So our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Two levels of surrender. May your kingdom come is the third level. The New Living Translation adds the word soon. May your kingdom come soon. But we see in Scripture that the kingdom of God is spoken of as a past reality. It's spoken of as a present reality and a future reality, not only a future reality. So the meaning of the kingdom of God is is, is actually spelled out in this parallel phrase in this prayer. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what the kingdom of God is, is when his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is his reign and his rule whenever and wherever we see it. So in addition to being a prayer for a future reality, this prayer is a present act of total surrender. It's an invitation for God to be the king of our hearts, for his reign and rule to be exercised through us doing his will here and now. So much so that heavenly realities, when we do his will on earth, heavenly realities invade our heart, our homes, our community. So the prayer begins with total surrender and then continues with asking boldly. So there are three levels here of asking boldly. The first one is for the present. Give us today the food we need. Now, if you were to open a New Living Translation Bible, you would see there's an asterisk and there are footnotes. 
It says, give us today the food we need or give us today our food for the day or give us today our food for tomorrow. The Greek word that has been most commonly translated daily, give us this day our daily bread, is a word that only appears in the Lord's Prayer. Scholars and historians can't even find a place outside of Scripture that that same word is used. In fact, in Scripture, there's a different Greek word that's used to mean daily. So translators have had a lot of debate about exactly what Jesus meant here and how to translate it. That's why the New Living Translation gives us these three options when you include the footnotes. What seems clear to me is that Jesus invites us to ask God, the Father, to meet our practical, imminent needs for us to make material requests to God. So that's for the present. God, give us what we need. And then for the past, forgive us our sins. How does God wash away the sins of our past? Well, he sent Jesus, his only son, to shed his blood so that we would be spared. So give us what we need for the present. God, our Father, forgive us for the past. And then for the future, protect us from temptation. How does God lead us into truth and wisdom? He sent his Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. Isn't this a beautiful outline for prayer? Ingenious when you see three levels of surrendering completely, three levels of asking boldly that cover the past, the present, and the future, and invite us into the provision and the fellowship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What I want to do today is zoom in on the part about provision for the present. Give us today the food we need. Now, our Kenyan team that we send from Wisconsin is going to interact with some people this month where this is literally what they pray for. Enough food for today. We are in a very different situation here where uh, we have so much food, we end up just throwing a lot of it in the garbage. Bread is a material request that meets a need, and there's a principle here that's, I think, bigger than asking for food. I think if Jesus were to address us, he would still invite us to ask God for material things for the present. Uh, he wouldn't say, oh, the bread thing, that's just for people who don't have as much bread as you. No, I think there's a principle here that applies. A lot of times, though, we feel like a desire for something. There's something we want, but we leave God out of it. Because with everything he's already given us, 
asking for material things can just seem selfish. This prayer, though, is about more than stuff. It's about relationships. Prayer, even prayer for material things, is more than transactional. It's relational. So at what point are we afraid that we might sound selfish? At what point might we withhold asking God for something because it seems like too much? In the summer of 2021, I took uh, uh, a couple of months to rest, to refresh, to recuperate. And I spent a lot of that time on water. Our family rented a house on a lake for a week with some family friends of ours. And Michelle and I spent two weeks in a cabin at Crescent Lake Bible Camp that overlooked the lake. I visited my uncle who lives on Lake Huron. I even took a few hours to check the condition of a a hunting cabin that Michelle's grandpa built on Bear Lake in Hazelhurst, about an hour north of here. And then by the end of the summer, man, I wanted to live on a lake. I don't know if anyone else has, uh, has, has had that, that, that thought or that, that feeling, but uh, well, I found myself thinking about uh, how in the world could that be possible? What could we do to make that happen? What could we sell in order to get money? What things could we rearrange in order to get a piece of lake life? Is that something I should pray for? Or would that be too selfish? In his book, uh, A Praying Life, that I mentioned earlier, Paul Miller uses a vacation home as his example of something that we don't usually pray for because it seems like a luxury that is well beyond praying for bread, right? Praying for the food that we need for today. Uh, It it just doesn't seem right to say to God, I want a house on a lake, will you give it to me? Miller points out that Often we don't stop thinking about those types of material desires and planning for them and working towards them. Even though we hesitate to talk to God about them, he says, we don't mind acting selfishly, but talking selfishly is embarrassing. By the end of that summer, I had prayed about it, I had thought about it, and come to the point where I realized I need to be content with what God has provided for us already, which is a lot. And also, maybe there was something reasonable I could do. So instead of figuring out how to own a lake property, we bought an inflatable two-person kayak that we could throw in the back of our car, toss it in the trunk, and on any given afternoon, just about in the summer, we could get to a body of water and get out on it. 
over two years later, in a surprising turn of events, Michelle and I recently acquired that hunting cabin that her grandpa built on the lake in Hazelhurst. Was that an answer to prayer? Well, we're thanking God for it. The lake is beautiful. The cabin is in really rough condition, like unusable. So we're trying to figure out how to make it usable. We've looked into renovating, rebuilding. We've even looked into moving an existing building onto that lot. And every path that we go down is too expensive. And I mean way too expensive. So we are. We're asking God to provide. Not because we need a cabin on a lake in order to survive today. No. It's because we envision a future where we're enjoying time on the water with our kids, with our grandkids. My wife grew up going to that cabin. Her mom grew up going to that cabin. So we're asking God to provide in a way that right now we can't strategize, that we can't imagine. Is that okay to pray for? Or is it too selfish? Don't answer. I'm not asking you to answer. I'm not. Uh, we can talk afterward. If you got a thought or an answer that, we'll talk afterward. The conclusion that I've come to is that asking God to provide material things is okay as long as the desire for those things is not the whole story. We're asking God for a usable structure on the lakefront property that we now own that's been passed on to us. That's a material thing. And it's important to acknowledge that material things, listen up, material things are not disconnected from our emotional and spiritual lives. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. There's a connection between stuff and our emotional and spiritual lives, including our relationship with God and our relationships with other people. So I would say that in regards to this piece of property, what we haven't spent enough time praying about is if there was a usable cabin there, how much time would we spend there? Because it's more than just going up and having fun, right? If anybody's ever participated in owning a, a, a cabin or a, a vacation home or, or something, there's a lot of work involved. It demands that you do things so that it doesn't fall into disrepair. How much time would that require of us, and how would that affect our relationships with God and with other people? Who are the people that God is calling us to reach with the good news of Jesus to minister to, and how might a cabin on the lake help or hurt that? Jesus told us, to pray for God to give us our daily bread, not just me, my. What might it look like for a cabin on the lake to be a blessing to more than just Michelle and me? 
How could we avoid the danger of that property isolating us from our brothers and sisters in Christ? Who are some good, godly people who we could talk to about this and process with us so that we're not simply justifying what we want? Those are real things to pray about related to a material request. Our material lives and our spiritual lives are connected. It's when we're in a right relationship with God and with others, not ignoring or neglecting those relationships that we can ask boldly for material things without asking selfishly. So sometimes we're hesitant to ask God for material things because what we want seems too selfish to ask for. And sometimes we fail to acknowledge the connection between the material and the spiritual. And sometimes we don't ask because we're afraid of what total surrender to his kingdom might look like. What if Michelle and I pray about having a usable cabin on this property And we get a clear sense from God that he wants us to sell it. Well, that's not what our vision is for this property. Michelle's parents passed this on to us so that it would continue to be a part of the family legacy. God, the king of the universe and the king of my heart may have a different legacy in mind, and that would be a really difficult path to walk. So sometimes it's easier to not bring it up to him. I'll handle this, God. This is a picture of asking boldly and surrendering completely. What if we prayed something like, God, I I want to continue the legacy of lake life that this cabin has represented in my family. More important to me, though, is the legacy you have in mind. I trust you to provide according to your will. Now, in the meantime, we'll receive this property as a gift from God. We'll keep trying to cultivate something good there. Since praying for material things is relational, that kind of prayer isn't an excuse to sit and wait for God to provide for us with no effort on our own. Praying for material things can actually open opportunities to join God in what he's doing. There's a story about a person who took a a rugged plot of land and and worked hard to, to churn the soil, to pick all the rocks, to get rid of the weeds, to plant the seeds, to, uh, to, to water it, to, uh, to, to fertilize it, and to keep weeding it. And, and eventually, it was a lush garden that had wonderful, beautiful flowers and great vegetables. And a Christian friend came by and got a look at this garden and celebrated the garden, said, wow, it's amazing what God can do with a bit of ground, isn't it? And the person replied, yes, but you should have seen it when he had it for himself. Indeed, Jesus prayed 
and taught us to pray for bread. Do we imagine God himself grinding the flour and mixing the dough and baking it? No. Only God, though, can make a seed that grows into wheat that can grow more wheat. There is no synthetic reproducing seed. Only God can do that. And he gives us the curiosity and the knowledge and the creativity. He invites us to participate in what only he can do so that we're then doing something together with him that produces something wonderful. Like a fertile field of wheat. Like a loaf of bread. Prayer, even prayer for material things, it's more than transactional. It is relational. So for now, that cabin, what is now our cabin, it sits on a crooked, broken slab with outdated plumbing and electrical, and it needs a new well and septic. Uh, Inside, it has mold and mildew from a leaky roof that a couple of months ago I patched with flex seal and uh, 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 three pieces of plywood (laughs) so that it wouldn't cave in over the winter. Oh, and there's a family of foxes that built a den underneath the, the slab that's been living there for years. Now, I have a suspicion that this is how God is answering my prayers from the summer of 2021. And I also think God has a sense of humor. Indeed, this material development has driven me deeper into prayer. What is that for you? You must have some material desire that you've hesitated to take to God in prayer for whatever reason. Maybe because you felt like it was too selfish. Maybe because you're afraid he'll say no or have a different plan for you. One step you can take is to make an intentional plan for 21 days of fasting and prayer next Sunday, January 14th. Fasting is an act of surrender. It's saying no to a particular pleasure or comfort in order to seek pleasure and comfort in God and his will. Jesus resisted temptation by quoting scripture to the devil. People don't live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So you may replace a meal each day during those three weeks with time in Scripture and in prayer. Or remove your go-to apps on your phone. Let your impulse to reach for your phone instead be a reminder to pray. I also want to encourage you to connect to a Tuesday night prayer gathering via video chat sometime this month. It's 6 to 6.30 in the evening, just 30 minutes. You don't have to pray out loud if you don't want to. There will be other people who are comfortable with doing that. And a great way to learn more about how to pray is to get around people who are doing it. So there's a link in the chat. There's a QR code. 
that uh, if you were to connect to that, uh, it will put that 6 to 6.30 uh, appointment in your calendar if you use Google Calendar, which I, I'm not saying that that's God's only calendar that he uses. It's just his favorite. Um, so there are these Tuesday night online prayer gatherings, 21 days of prayer and fasting starting on Sunday, January 14th with the prayer and fasting guide to go along with it. Encouragement from Jesus to ask boldly and surrender completely. So what are you willing to do with what God is teaching you right now? We're going to practice that rad pattern, reflection, application, discussion right now. And after a few minutes of quiet reflection, we're going to reconnect for communion and discussion. Now, communion at New Day, we see this as something that Jesus instituted with uh, his disciples, his followers, and he used simple materials. Now, we don't use wine here. We use grape juice. We don't think that the, uh, the, the substance, uh, the material itself is as important as the relational aspect of communion. It's remembering what Jesus did in order to repair our relationship with God the Father. His body was broken. He spilled his blood. If that's something you believe, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, a disciple, then this is a time for you to join in communion with him, in unity with other disciples here and around the world. And if that's not you right now, there's no shame in just not participating in this. We don't want to do things just automatically. We don't want to make hypocrites. This is an opportunity for us to reflect on how am I doing in my vertical relationship with God? How am I doing in my horizontal relationship with other people? And it's yielding ourselves for God to remind us that he's done everything necessary to repair those relationships. And he did it through Jesus. Take a few minutes to reflect, to consider what is God teaching you today? What are you willing to do about it? And then we'll reconnect uh, for reflection and communion. God, uh, we do pray that, uh, that, that you dredge up the things in our hearts that we have held back from you, that you would uh, open wide the invitation for us to ask you for things like a child asks a parent, and that you'd prepare us to hear your answer, whether it's yes or no or wait. We are yours, Lord, surrendering completely and asking boldly in Jesus' name. Amen.
it occurred to me during that reflection time that um that 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 maybe there are some people listening here who um who who haven't uh, exercised uh generosity um towards god um and and i i want to invite you to do that as well this isn't some kind of a like you you put a a coin in a machine and and something comes back that's not how generosity towards god works um he invites us though to give towards kingdom purposes and to trust that he will care for our needs and if that's not something that you've practiced then um i want to invite you to uh, to to do that um and giving to giving to the, the the church is one way to do that people have given generously towards the the kenya uh, initiative i think that helps our relationship with god when um it's more than just us constantly asking him for things when we can show that yes god you've entrusted me with this much and this much i'm entrusting back to you so I, i'll get into that in more detail sometime it's just something that occurred to me uh, as i uh, was reflecting Right now, let's take a moment to remember uh, what Jesus paid in order to repair our relationship with the Heavenly Father. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, Paul the Apostle says, For I pass unto you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. And gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's remember how Jesus' body was broken so that our relationship with God could be repaired as we take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. So let's remember the blood Jesus shed for us as a payment for our sins once for all time as we take the cup together. Paul then says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. We're going to take some time now to uh, have a conversation. It's, um, it, it's not a, a sermon that changes lives. It's relationship. It's conversations that happen afterward about what is God teaching you? What are you willing to do about it? And if God brought to mind someone who needs to hear this, who will you share with?
Those are the three key questions I want us to talk about over the next few minutes. What is God teaching you? What are you willing to do about it? And who you share this with? If you're participating in the chat, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, what is, what's standing out to you? What are you planning to do about it? Our moderator, Rachel, is in the room. She'll share that with us. And, uh, and, and Rachel, you'll share highlights of uh, things that you hear in this room too, right? Is that a thing you do? I'm never in the chat, so I, I have to ask. All right. So uh, let's take this time to discuss and then go out and put into practice what God is putting on your heart.